This is the Hargath. I can tell you've been listening to this podcast with great interest. But not as great of an interest as I have in you. Oh, no. What do I require of you, you may wonder? Very simple. You will support this podcast by buying a copy of this book, The Force of Destiny, available on Amazon, Apple, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and pretty much anywhere ebooks are found. And you will enjoy it, or else I will make you. Chapter 11. Hot Blood of the Young Kyla lay awake, staring at her thoughts, feeling Nax's presence so far away. Moonlight painted her room in a gray haze. The sounds of the jungle rose, slowly at first, then grew riotous. The chirps of insects battled with the croaks of frogs. The low moans of some creature in heat answered the sudden chatter and shriek of a faraway animal Kyla couldn't begin to picture. An occasional grunt sounded nearby, followed by a crash of limbs and a squeal. The jungle was a cacophony of struggle and strain. Remembering Rajan's litany of wilderness dangers, she worried for Nax. Perhaps it had been a mistake to send her out there alone. But Nax had survived the roofs and alleyways of Cheapskate well enough. Kyla had to trust the animal to take care of herself here but a snake could strike out of darkness. And what about a hawk spider? Did such build a web? Did it fly? Kyla shivered and drew her blankets to her chin. A small cry rose just beyond her patio door. It was weak and high-pitched. It sounded like the meow of a cat. It wasn't Nax. Kyla knew she was miles away now. She got out of bed and slipped into the night. The ocean breeze lifted the hem of her nightgown and caressed her bare legs. With the deepening night, the air had cooled. It sent a wave of goose flesh over her limbs. She drew Cain. The feline cry came from behind the prince's ward. Kyla edged around the structure and peeked into the dimness beyond. The moon was high now, and Kyla's eyes quickly adjusted. Pressed close to the rear of the ward was a cat. It wasn't Huff or Nax or Ollie. This one was larger than any of them, and yet unmistakably a kitten. Its fur was sleek and black, and its paws were twice the size they should have been for its body. A kitten, yes, but of a breed that would grow to the size of a bullhound. It was hissing now, and out of the foliage crept the reason, or reasons. A pack of strange, low-slung, four-legged beasts, they waddled as they walked, long, snake-like tails dragging on the ground behind them. Their protruding lower jaws hung open, and flickery tongues flashed like lightning from between hooked fangs. The creatures reminded her of the dragon she'd met in the eyrie above Starside, somewhat. But these creatures had no wings, and the scales were rough and drab. And though much larger than the cat they had cornered, none weighed more than Kyla. They grunted and clicked through their wide nostrils, communicating with each other as they fanned out, approaching the cat from the flanks and front. Two more held back, patrolling in wide arcs, ready to leap should their quarry get past the first ranks. The cat hissed and cried. 
It held up one paw, claws out. Fangs bared, it pressed against the wall. Kyla twirled Kane. This would never do. The nearest lizard divided its attention between her and the cat. It kept swinging its ugly face toward her and coughing strange warnings. She fainted at it. It sidestepped and honked. One of the back rank sentries dashed at her, body undulating side to side as it ran. Its speed caught Kyla by surprise. She leaped straight up, somersaulting and doing a half-twist as the beast passed beneath her. She lashed out as she landed, sweeping Kane in a wide arc. The shadline edge, keen as death itself, hewed through the tail. The lizard recoiled and flailed. Kyla was upon it, stabbing flank, neck, belly. Finally, the blade pierced the eye and the beast went still. Kyla felt the approach of other lizards. Her mercus mask was gone, dropped by instinct. She heard the scuff of claws on the turf, tails dragging, clicks and grunts and high-pitched squawks. Kyla spun, cane projecting from her fist like a shard of blackness. The cat was still pinned back, hard-pressed by two lizards. The rest of the beasts had turned on her. She became death. Teeth gnashed at her, but she was gone. Slash, stab. Lizards bled. A weird peace came over her as she dealt death, using her mercusine senses to feel the movements of her foes. Her blade came up to meet a lunging lizard, taking it through the bottom of the jaw and out through the top of its snout. Momentum carried the wounded lizard past her, wrenching Cain from her hand. She became aware of another presence, a figure in a white shirt slashing at lizards and kicking their heads. The cat shrieked and attacked, rolling across the ground in a frantic embrace with the final lizard. And then it was loose and disappearing into the jungle, the last lizard giving chase. The white-shirted man pinned it to the ground with a vicious downward thrust. Kyla retrieved her blade and went about stabbing brains to make sure all were dead. When she was done, she turned to the young man standing amidst the carnage. His white shirt glowed in the moonlight, except where it was torn or splotched with lizard blood. His hair and eyes were dark, but nevertheless shone with moonlight and the delighted rush of physical combat. He was breathing hard, hands on hips, his dagger hidden away somewhere. Are you hurt? he asked. His voice was soft, lightly accented. Kyla inspected her limbs. She had no scratches. He did. She pointed to his thigh where a ragged tear in his trousers exposed his flesh and an ugly gash. He looked down and gasped. He hadn't known. It doesn't hurt, but this is not good. I must find a friendly sensual. Those claws are filthy and give men blood fevers. I can see to it, Kyla said. She felt like she was half dreaming. Her murka senses were alive with the scents and sounds of the night. The jungle had gone quiet during the battle, but now it erupted with chatter as the frogs and bugs gossiped about what they had just witnessed. I thank you, he said, but this will need a merculin to... She ignored him and knelt to inspect the wound. He flinched and tried to move away when she widened the tear in his pant leg. She told him to hold still. She cupped the other hand and started a swirling motion, as if rolling dice for a throw. The combination of mercusine senses she brought into existence were so complex she didn't truly know what she did. But she felt it. 
A red glow appeared in her hand, and she continued to swirl and stir it through her motions. This may not feel good, she said. You're a Merculin? He was astonished and somewhat afraid. But how? Hush. She gently tilted her cupped hand and poured the Mercusine light onto his wound. He hissed and shuddered, but he managed not to pull away. The wound knit closed. Do you want a scar or no? she asked. She sounded distant even to herself. A what? A scar. Do you want your flesh to hold a memory of this or do you want it erased? A scar. Yes, leave a memory. Kyla had watched Wen sew up a wound once. He had such nimble fingers. She remembered how he had clamped his tongue between his teeth as he concentrated on the work. She did the same, focusing mercusine bolts she did not understand to burn away the wrongness in the wound. She flattened her fingers and traced the wound, knowing she could make the skin perfect. But before it was smoothed away, she stopped, leaving a slender line of white puckered skin. The scar looked like a wound healed over ten years past. The mercusine light faded and the whirl of sensation that had come with it did too, leaving only the feeling of her fingers on his skin. He was warm. The young man sighed as pain and mercus chill drained out of him, and then he grew dizzy and squatted to keep from falling over. Mercus healing pulled much of its power from the subject, or so the voluptuary of Starsight had once told her. The young man's face was level with Kyla's. Beneath the sweat and grime and splatters, he was pretty. No, that wasn't the right word. Neither was handsome, but she liked his face. So she knelt there, lizard blood wetting her bare knees, liking his face. He looked at her with amazement. No one can do what you just did. Suddenly uncomfortable under his stare, she stood and put up her mercusine mask. He had been shedding too much heat anyway. Yes, and he'd been looking too deeply into her eyes. She didn't know him. He straightened and flexed his healed leg, tested his weight on it. May I ask what you are hoping to accomplish by engaging with these monsters? Kyla towed one of the dead beasts. They'd cornered a cat. What are these kill-kissing things? Lizard wolves. They hunt in packs. Kyla grabbed a lizard by the tail and started dragging it toward the trees. They stink. That they do. He started to help, though he kept throwing glances at her. Why are we doing this? Because I don't want the sensuals to find them and start asking questions. Together they hefted and tossed lizards, and a few severed pieces of tail, into the dense foliage. There was still blood on the grass, but nothing to be done about it, or the blood on their clothes. And why would the sensuals care that you killed lizard wolves, aside from it being a foolish thing to attempt? She rubbed her hands on her nightgown, only then remembering how scantily she was dressed. She cinched the gaping neckline in a fist and looked at him. They said I couldn't have my dagger. They wanted to take it. I lied and said I'd thrown it into the jungle on the way here. She shot a suspicious glance at the fine blade on his belt. Apparently the rules were different for men. If there was a universal truth in life, that was it. He was suddenly very close, not in a threatening way, but like a friend who wanted to speak to her in private when there were others around, except there was nobody there but the frogs and insects and dead lizards. You have something just here. 
His hand rose and approached her face. She leaned away, but he clicked his tongue. I'm not going to poke you in the eye. Hold still. He rubbed the flat of his thumb on her cheek. It was a grimy thumb, but big enough to make her feel tiny. He showed it to her. Blood. He moved a lock of her hair from her face and pushed it back. You look like a lady, but you swear like a sailor. He sniffed. And you smell like lizard wolf guts. So do you. I guess you're the slob from the other room in the prince's ward. His brow rose. You sound like my mother. Instantly hearing the mistake in his words, he tried to fix them. Just that she's always on me about picking up things and not leaving dishes lying about. His voice dropped and he inched closer. You don't truly sound anything like her. Or look anything like her. Voices rose beyond the prince's ward. Kyla started away, not wanting to be caught in the night by a sensual. She sheathed Kane and tried to mask the bulge it made under her gown with her hands. She rounded the corner, the young man stupidly following. Sensual Thine came to a stop. Hannah stood behind her, holding up a blazing Mercus lantern. Kyla squinted against the glare and held up a hand to block the light so she could see. I felt the Mercus aflame, Thine said. Her constricted mouth was open as she gulped for air. Who did it? Is there a sensual back there? Kyla shrugged. I didn't see one, but they are all over the place here. The young man snickered into his hand. The sensual paused, her eyes taking in Kyla's gown and the young man's torn trousers. Well, I see how it is, sensual Thine said. I warned the voluptuary of this risk. I warned her of the hot blood of the young. Uh, lizard blood is surprisingly cool, Kyla said. Is that drooly blood all over you? Hannah said, her lips curled back in disgust. I had a tussle with the lizard wolf on my way back from my hike, the young man said. This young lady heard the commotion and came out to investigate just as I killed it. There was splatter, unfortunately. The sensual's tight circle of a mouth miraculously scrunched in even tighter. Hannah smirked and eyed Kyla's bare knees. Inside, both of you. With sharp motions of her hand, Thine waved them ahead of her and marched them to their rooms. She loudly lamented the lack of exterior locks for their windows and doors. When Kyla pointed out that would make the prince's ward a prison, Sensual Thine said girls should learn to keep their mouths shut. But a lady would know that, wouldn't she? Hannah's smirk deepened. Sensual Thine and her lantern-bearer both gave Kyla a final sniff of disapproval and stalked off. Back in her room, Kyla found herself trembling. Some of it was due to rage, some of it the leftover energy of killing lizard wolves, but most of it was provoked by something else entirely. She picked up her mirror and pressed a hand to her cheek where the young man had touched her. The skin there seemed to burn, not painfully, but with a heat that sank in deep and would not dissipate. A while later, Penny showed up, bearing a bucket of steaming water. Her eyes were dark, hair plastered to one side of her head from sleep. Sensual Thine says you are to wash up. The girl had a clean gown over her arm, this one long enough to reach Kyla's toes. Why does she always send you, Penny? Kyla asked. How did you get on the wrong side of her mind? I asked questions. Kyla drew in a long breath and nodded knowingly. In her best snob tongue, she said, 
a lady would know better. Penny allowed a grin. What would either of us know about being a lady? And then she was gone. Once Kyla had turned the water in her basin a muddy red and her cheeks and limbs a healthy pink, she climbed onto her bed. She stared at the wall opposite her, stared so hard she didn't blink and her eyes went dry. Behind that wall was a problem. A young man. And she didn't know his name.